You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome, everybody, to a very special We Have Issues interview. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined today by comic creator Terry Mayo. Well, hello, Keith. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, we're excited to have you on. Um, unfortunately, those of you who listen to us regularly know my stalwart sidekick, Josue, was unable to join us today. Uh, but that's fine. He's being very busy this week, and he'll be making an appearance on another person's podcast tomorrow. So I gave him the day off. But I did want to go ahead and take this time to uh, speak with Terry about his project that's upcoming. Something very exciting I want to talk to you guys about that I think our audience in particular is going to be interested in because it intersects several things that our group tends to like quite a bit. So, <laughs> um, but as well, we jump, I don't, I don't know what that says about your group. But... <laughs> We're very strange people. <laughs> <laughs> My people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to launch into that, but I definitely want to go ahead and take a moment to get to know Terry. Uh, as we always do, it's uh, it's important to get to know you guys as, you know, as people and get to know, you know, kind of where you came from. So I would like to personally start with um, what I always call your secret origin. Um, I think everybody's story of how they got into comics, both uh, as a fan, and or professionally is interesting and it's always it's like a fun story to share with each other so i'm just curious how did you find your way into comics um you know i've always been a fan i mean uh my mom brought me a big box of comics when i was like five five ish and it was like old 70s like jonah hex and sergeant rock and stuff like that so I, that's kind of where the like the discovery of it all and like the archie comics at the newsstand and whatnot but i guess the the I guess the evolution started of like me writing them and wanting to be part of that world. Um, I had cancer when I was about 15, fr uh, freshman, sophomore in high school-ish. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I couldn't do much. I was I would stay at the Ronald McDonald house and then go for a surgery, have chemo. And then for this was like a year and a half of my life, just in and out of the cancer hospital. And so my stepmom, uh, she brought me a journal and she brought me comic books and she was like, here, I know you're always reading them, so let's let's start writing them. So she basically she gave me a journal. I, I started writing, uh, and that's more of like the like a general synopsis of it. But it was more yeah. drawn out than that. But uh, yeah, so I spent a lot of that time really just writing my thoughts and writing, and then it came into like little panels. And that's my first comic book ever was me at 15, 16 years old in a journal. I've still got it somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, but that's kind of where the evolution started, and then it just kind of grew from there. I uh, I started doing screenwriting in the 90s and sold a few uh, when I thought I was going to be Quentin Tarantino for a minute, but <laughs> that, did, that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Sold a few, but it, nothing ever was made. Uh, and then I have about eight, eight children, seven children, one on the way. And uh, so, I, you know, life kind of puts things on pause sometimes, but... <laughs> about five six years ago is when i was first published uh um and it's just been uphill since there but just boom 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 one thing after another it's been it's been interesting it's been fun yeah man 
That's just really interesting. And it's kind of funny because, like I said, our listeners, uh, obviously the first secret origin that we've shared was mine. And ironically, I got into comics as a reader because when I was probably about the same age you were, I went to an auction with my stepdad and there was a box of comics and I could just see an issue of X Factor on top. And I was vaguely aware of the X-Men. Like I watched the Saturday morning cartoon Mm -hmm. and I I convinced him to bid on it. It was like 20 bucks and he got it for me. And that's how I got into comics. So it's just funny. We both got a box from, you know, like that's really cool. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so tell us more about yourself as well. I mean, like you mentioned screenwriting, like it sounds like you have a pretty um, like big interest in, you know, arts and culture and stuff, which is, which is always really cool. And, uh, and I can tell by your hat, obviously you have, Certain cases, so. that i'm that i'm quite cultured because yeah. of my boba, my boba fett hat <laughs> so yeah like tell us what you're kind of into like um any specific uh, fandoms that really latch you on uh you know i'm I, I don't know i don't know if it's a renaissance fandom or renaissance man of fandom but uh but i'm i'm kind of dabbling a, a lot of a lot of things i've uh i'm into dungeons and dragons i've been playing since third edition and i actually dm uh, Dungeon Master, uh, a campaign over on Mainframe Comic Con. Uh, a group of us just kind of go online and do it. Um, so there's that aspect of it, and then Star Wars. I mean, you got to. I don't. There's. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to know the answer, but I can't imagine there's too many people that haven't heard of Star Wars. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know that that's. I grew up with it. One of my first memories was just standing in the lobby, waiting to watch Empire Strikes Back, and just the feeling. You know, I mean, it's just that's how intense the feeling was at like how old I was. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was crazy. And it really built on it from there. So anything star Wars I'm into anything horror, I, I love horror movies. So it's uh, you know, yeah, I'm just, if it's nerdy, I'm kind of drawn to it. <laughs> All right. Well, that draws two quick follow-up questions. Um, you mentioned that D and D you actually started around when I did third edition mm-hmm. and uh, are you the forever DM now? Like amongst your friends? <laughs> No, I mean, I actually play with a bunch of, I, I think there's only maybe one person in our group that hasn't ever DM'd and we kind of have taken turns. Uh, so it's, 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 I haven't found myself being the forever and maybe it's just because we all have our own busy lives and yeah. occasionally we need our a break and it's like, okay, we're going to have a, a break in this campaign or we're going to start on something like a one shot or a mini yeah. or something like that. Nice. Uh, but I haven't been pigeonholed into that yet. I feel like they want me to because they're like, oh, you're so good at this. You should do this all the time. I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've run into that where I'm the forever DM. And it's a a shame because you read an adventure and you're like, I wish I was playing this adventure instead of like running it. Like, yeah, but but it's also fun. Like, it's its own fun. So Um, is there a specific race class you generate towards D&D? You know, my recently from the, uh, what is it, a 5e... I, I, I've, I've enjoyed playing a grung rogue lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, I mean, there's nothing special about it. He's a little grung assassin, but the poison skin on him just kind of, and the ability to leap around. I don't know. It's just, I have fun playing this tiny little frog assassin. And it's just so much fun. Because I, I, I do pour myself more into the role play than anything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I told my group, I said, you know, before we ever even start, I watch about 10 minutes of Gerard Butler in like <laughs> any movie, really, because <laughs> my grung has like the Scottish accent and he's talks like this and he's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, 
so uh so i'm into the role play i mean the 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 mechanics are kind of are, are you know they're just a rogue assassin it's really basic nothing yeah. magic about it but but i really really love playing it that's awesome yeah and then um star wars just quick impression <laughs> obviously you're talking about the original trilogy but just quick overview what do you think of the prequels sequels what do you think of the mandalorian how do you like star wars as a whole as it's evolved um you know i i mean my heart's always going to be with empire strikes back and i don't know if it's just because it was my first exposure one of my first but it's my first exposure that i remember Mm -hmm. um my parents said they took me to the first movie but i don't know (laughs) i was a baby so who knows well empire is also arguably the best movie of all of them like i I wouldn't even argue it i would just say it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean i and uh, yeah no i love that movie um the star wars or not it's, it's in my top three so yeah um but yeah, no, I I do. I'm I am a fan of the originals of the of the the original three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prequels, I took all my kids to them, so they do have a special place in my heart for that. And that I got to experience them the way I experienced them as a kid. I, I was the dad taking my kids to go see them for their first Star Wars experience. So they're always special for me in that way. A bit let down by the last three, more mm-hmm. so the last one. I I wasn't the hugest fan. Yeah, the biggest fan of. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of take the mindset of any movie you're, I watch, I, I know that a lot goes into it. I know that somebody wrote that and was proud of it and directed that and was proud of it and acted and it was proud of it. So I know it's art. So yeah. I try to appreciate it for what it is. And at the same time, I know it's like a, a multimedia consumption thing that is it, you rate it <laughs> whether you want to or not. And it, it yeah. is, it's at the lower end for me. Yeah. Uh, Mandalorian, I, I, you know, hats off. I thought it was great. Loved the first season. Yeah. I thought the second season was great too. Uh, I haven't got into the Bad Batch yet. Uh, kind oh, of waiting, me neither. I want waiting to. for yeah. I know, right? I'm waiting for my college age kids to get home, and then we're gonna <laughs> dive into it. But. Nice. And then, I, I, of course, I have to ask about uh, not to harp on Star Wars too much, but I always love picking brains of Star Wars fans. Um, mm-hmm. Solo. So I loved Solo. Okay. And I think it was very underrated, but I know it's a really polarizing film. So I'm curious what you thought of that one, too. I, I enjoyed it. I, I can say honestly that I've maybe only seen it twice, maybe, mm-hmm. whereas the other ones I've seen multiple, multiple times. I uh, I mean, for me, I, I enjoyed Rogue One more. And I don't know if it was because it was, for me, it felt like tied into that original feeling. You know, it brought back that yeah. nostalgia feeling for me where I was hoping Solo would do that as well, but it, it felt so detached for me that it, it didn't. Hmm. Uh, it was still enjoyable. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the acting. I enjoyed the story. It's not like it was flawed. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like it just didn't hold my attention as much, I feel like. Gotcha. Yeah. It was, it, like I said, it's a polarizing film. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Well, and then you mentioned one last thing. I think this is going to transition pretty nicely into what we're talking about today. Uh, but you mentioned horror. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so my co-host and one of our frequent guests is our massive horror fans and uh specifically my frequent guest uh thomas is a really big horror fan uh he used to have a segment where he'd be do the shutter movie of the week he'd always watch a different movie on shutter every week for us okay so give me a horror recommendation something that you just just you love maybe something people haven't heard much about (coughs) you know haven't heard much about um or just whatever you would be your favorite was yeah i mean my my go-to is always uh the original night of living dead from the from the 60s yes i mean it's a it's a great movie and is that thomas saucedo is that who you're talking about or is it no 
it's a different Thomas. Thomas. Uh, okay. It's he's also from Geek Network, though. Okay. <laughs> so, All right, I was just, I was just wondering because we had there's this two whole Thomases there. We <laughs> had this whole conversation. I had this with Thomas, but um, <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was maybe maybe fifth grade when I saw Night of the Living Dead. And it was like on the old USA network, like Gilbert Godfrey up all night and that kind of thing. Yeah. And my parents had gone to a to a hospital party. Uh, my mom worked there and I stayed home with the dogs and and it was on. And that was probably the biggest mistake of my life because <laughs> <laughs> like every every five minutes I swore the doors were about to burst in with zombies coming in. And you know, and it was just <laughs> the the for me it was the the tv and the way that the world collapsing from the outside was presented through the tv that just seemed so like i I mean i was on i was i was literally sitting on the edge of my seat without being in a seat uh (laughs) because i was standing up like waiting to run uh for the the entire movie and it was uh and it's still like that when i watch it i like i just get captivated by just this 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 little horror play that's going on on tv so yeah. I, and I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing that I love it so much or if it's just because it's a great movie. But I'm going to say it's because it's a great movie. So <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that, that's my go-to as far as my favorite. I'm a big zombie fan, big uh, possession fan, uh, you know, like demonic possession, that kind of stuff. Less so towards the slasher. But, I, I mean, I enjoy them, but they're, you know, they're more popcorn for, than, than anything. I don't really get scared. Yeah, Definitely. Nice. Yeah, those those classic horror movies. Uh one of my best friends in high school was a big horror guy and he would we would go to like FYE when that was still really a thing and get all these weird horror movies I've never heard of and he's like you have to see this. So he'd show me stuff like Reanimator and all this crazy crap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it's, it's weird. It's I'm not a big horror fan, but I know way too much about horror because of these people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. They're trying um, to influence you with their horrorness. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So that kicks us over to why we're here. Uh, so we're here to talk about your Kickstarter for Buddy Number One, an upcoming comic. Uh, so the pitch we got on here is Milo and Otis meets The Exorcist. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I got to know, because this this does star an adorable little pug named Buddy. And uh, if you guys watch the trailer on Kickstarter, the trailer video, uh, which is excellent, by the way, I love the over the topness of your intro and everything. I was like, oh, this is great. And when you said like, you know, now getting to know you and with the D&D background, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a DM. I can see that now. <laughs> so um, with all that, I got to ask, is Buddy a real dog? Buddy is a real dog, and yeah. I actually—I uh, don't know if his fit. He's on my—he's on my social media. I know that that I've posted a picture a few times, but uh, he was a real dog, um, and he was just the most annoying pug you would—you can imagine. Just oh my god, he was <laughs> obstinate, and like so many times, I was like, I just want to take this dog to the pound, but uh, but you know, it's just kind of one of those animals. It just it, yeah. you can't help but love him because he's just so goofy and dumb and just, just love that dog <laughs> yeah um but yeah but uh buddy buddy's real dog and, and a lot of the things in there you know i could totally see buddy doing yeah i in the trailer there was a shot a brief shot of a real photo of a pug mm-hmm. when you said buddy and i'm like i bet that's a real buddy <laughs> like that was, that was, that was buddy that was buddy wearing a penguin hat <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so so, uh, but yeah, back to the pitch. So it's Milo Notice meets The Exorcist. So we're taking something, something really cute, 
and adding a horror vibe to it. So when I alluded at earlier that our our audience loves certain things, those are two things that we like. We we love the <laughs> those two and also just juxtapositioning those two. Um, and I I I really like this, and I, I don't know if it, this is a trend or something that's going on in comics, but we're getting more and more books that are this this kind of genre, which is cute but scary at the same time, and mm-hmm. specifically with animals, uh, I think is really cool. So, um, tell me a bit more about about Buddy. What 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 can we expect from it? Um, do you have a planned like length? I know this is a number one, but do you have like a definite idea of how long you want it to go? Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, for this first arc, I mean, we do have it out to be... So Buddy, the first issue is uh, 30 pages, and we're about less than $200 away from our first stretch goal, which will add another six pages. So it'll be about 36 pages uh, that we send out to backers. We've already met our goal, so it's 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 coming out. Um, but the first arc is three pages, roughly 30 pages each, 22 to 30 pages, depending on the issue. Um, and the, the long-term plan, at least hopefully, would be that either we're going to put this out independently and just keep doing this through Kickstarter. Uh, we are talking to a, f- a few uh, publishers, so we might go that route. And if they if they if Buddy comes out through publishing, it'll be up to them on what happens from there as far as like uh, release dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do have it written out through a couple different arcs, and 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 it is more just. The whole the feel of the book, um, I didn't want to shy away from the horror aspect of it, but also more of that feel of like a nightmare before Christmas or or like Paranorman or, or mm-hmm. Frankenweenie or whatever you want to <laughs> go to, whatever your callback would be. Yeah, uh, it is more that thing where it's not shying away from what that seriousness is, but it's in this world. It is in this playful world. Um, the other books that I've written have been more serious. So they've been more R rated, I guess you could say there's, you know, there's cursing and nudity and all this other stuff that my younger kids, they're not exposed to, uh, at least, at least not while I'm around, maybe on YouTube, I'm sure they hear worse than is in any of my books, but, <laughs> but, but I, I wanted to write something that all my kids could pick up and read and enjoy and that kind of stuff. Cause the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and they're all into horror and that kind of stuff as well. So. It just seemed like a natural fit. That's awesome. So yeah, um, how did you come up with? Okay, so you got a dog named Buddy, mm-hmm. and how did that go to demonic possession? Like, <laughs> like, like, because in my head, hearing you talk about him earlier, where you're like, you know, he's dumb, but I love him. Basically, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm just imagining that dog that barks at everything, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, like, does he know something we don't? Someone yeah, possessed yeah, no, he's I mean, to it, tell it's, us. it's funny that you mentioned that because I mean, you know. Um, I, I mentioned I have a lot of kids, and so uh, I live in California now, Southern California, and all my family is in Texas. So we would drive a couple times a year from California to Texas, and there's like that area, like right around either before or after Yuma, I can't remember, but it's where the radio stations just kind of dropped. At least in the early 2000s, they would just drop, and it was just silence or static. Yeah. Um, so I would tell the kids stories and it'd be like, you know, well, these four brothers, because there were four boys at the time, four brothers and they're in this wasteland and they're fighting and they got superhero powers and this and that. And then when we got Buddy, we added Buddy into those stories. So I'd be telling the sto- my kids stories about these four brothers and this dumb pug and fighting evil and stuff. So I was driving one night, the kids were all asleep. And uh, before we had left, Buddy was standing at the bottom of the stairs and just looking up at the top of the stairs and just barking. And there was nothing there. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started I started recalling that. And I was like, well, 
I wonder what he was seeing, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> so, and, and it just, that's where the kernel started at least. Uh, and then two years ago, Dave uh, Swartz and I, uh, Dave is, he's, he's a comic book writer and artist. So he's, he's mm-hmm. done Feast or Famine uh, and he's working on Confederate Monster right now. But we started working on Buddy and he does all the art and he was down with the idea and he was like, oh, I can totally see this. This will be cool. We can make toys, that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think I'm ta- getting tangential, but basically that's the gist of Buddy. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, going over to Dave a bit, it's, uh, looking at the art, it it does what I what I said like the whole juxtaposition of cute versus horror. You really have to walk a fine line with cute, and I think he does a really really good job with it. Like the animation style is adorable, but at the <laughs> same time, you can see oh this could be dark. You know, like yeah. there's there's a darkness to it. Just looking at the character designs, because you guys have a nice lineup of all the characters. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, no, we're both kind of in the same vein as far as like uh, there's a song from the 70s that uh, that my that when my kids ask me about, you know, like real life situations or stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, there aren't quoting a song. It's like, you know, there are no good guys there are no bad guys. There's just you and me and we just disagree. So that's my blanket exp- explanation for people, you know, the <laughs> yin and yang of people. Uh, and I even have the tattoos like the, the good, the good versus evil in my arms and stuff. And, <laughs> Uh, so that's kind of ingrained in me. And so that's what I try to put out in my books as far as like, well, yes, there's this world and it's cute and it's adorable. And then if you just peel back the layer, you see all the the hobgoblins behind the pages. So it's, I enjoy that kind of stuff. So Yeah, definitely. Um, so as you mentioned, you guys have already hit the goal of 5,000, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You still got 21 days to go. Mm-hmm. Um and you mentioned that we have some stretch goals. Uh, the first one is to add some pages to the issue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're really close to that, it looks like. Um, so do you have anything, uh, any others in mind? Um, I didn't see any other stretch goals. Uh, yeah, we do, we do. You know, and I um, I try to keep them close to the vest. And I don't know if that's different because I do see other campaigns and they like they <laughs> blast them all out. But I, I do try to keep them a little bit closer to the vest just so i can like make them be like ah here it is surprise but um but yeah the first stretch goal um is the six pages going to be added uh, and it's more of like a buddy origins uh story Hmm. uh with the if you've checked out any of the stuff uh on kickstarter you've seen maybe this totem this little two-headed serpent totem Mm -hmm. so it's kind of the story of the origin of the totem the origin of buddy kind of told side by side and linking it together so there's that. Uh, that one is being, uh, I, I wrote that one, Jason Hahir. He's uh, drawing that one. And then the colors are going to be, um, if you see the Stan Yak variant mm-hmm. on there, uh, Julio Rojas did the colors for that cover. He's doing the colors for, the, for that, for the six pages. Um, oh, we're awesome. also talking about some, some other stuff. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I can announce it. At $7,500, we're, lo- we're looking at... Um, having produced the totem itself to send out to backers as an add-on. So, uh, yeah, so if you want to go in and add on your own little possessed totem, <laughs> it could be shipped in the mail to you. <laughs> That's really cool. So it, it'll, it'll be fun. And, and some other stuff, some prints and some pens and some variant covers. And, I mean, we have some add-ons where Dave will do a commission piece for you so you can add it to your wall or, <laughs> yeah. or uh, draw you inside the world of Buddy. So it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah, I'm looking at these the mini prints that are listed, and um, 
it's great because they are all definitively different styles and such but uh you mentioned the stan yak cover that is straight horror <laughs> like that i is, love it that is straight up horror yeah that is the that's a straight up horror one and, and i really dig that one i mean uh if and <laughs> if you zoom in on the pug in that one that's that's that i mean that's a straight up buddy right there that's just a goofy <laughs> tongue hanging out the mouth just has no clue what he's doing that's buddy but uh but i love that cover it's a great cover one thing that I love about Kickstarters, a good Kickstarter, is all the add-ons, like really cool little add-ons. So just to let our listeners know, some of the great things on here I'm seeing, there's a one and a half inch buddy enamel pin, which looks pretty cute. There's a die cut sticker. And the thing that probably caught my eye the most is an actual trading card, a rookie card <laughs> for buddy, mm-hmm. which I love that. I love that trading cards, like you're seeing them more and more again. Mm-hmm. And I just love that idea. Like, I, I love that something that I did in the early 90s is coming <laughs> back around. And that's really cool. So. Yeah, I sent I sent the picture of, uh, well, since you, you said you were into it, of the Deathlock rookie card mm-hmm. uh, from the 90s set, Marvel set, over yes. to David. I was like, this is what I want, but I want Buddy. <laughs> so he, then he came back with that. And I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the, uh, the, love the rookies like thing because yeah. it's like, I'm also a sports fan, but also a huge comic nerd. So yeah, you'd see like Deathlock rookies, and you're like, "What? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're using that term? Like, and just yeah. I love that though. That's great. But yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, uh, I, 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 obviously we're gonna be backing this after we get done talking. Uh, but um, I just wanted to like, yeah, kind of go over the details of everything. It's just, it's just really cool and really interesting, and specifically. I'm looking at the art. Uh, there's a there's a panel that uh, is like uh, a GIF, and it's like being colored. It's like mm-hmm. the first panel on the page, and uh, you mentioned kind of like the art styles. Mentioned like uh, Paranorman and stuff. Like, there's definitely some like almost Cartoon Network vibes to some of this too. I really like mm-hmm. like um like the mother, mm-hmm. like she's very much like a almost like a Kim Possible character. Like I don't she know. She is. Like, she is. Yeah, and it. <laughs> And it's strange the amount of comments that I get about how hot the mom is. And I'm like, I don't even think that until you bring it up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she, you know, I mean, she, the mom does have some curves, but that wasn't an intentional thing. <laughs> we are trying to sell the mom as a hot I know. Mom, this like... isn't... <laughs> have her as a pinup or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah. And then, so what is your experience so far with Kickstarter as a, like an organization? Because... Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about this. Uh, I know people have a lot of options with how they crowdfund, right. um, Indiegogo and stuff like that. I always heard most people for Kickstarter. Uh, what do you, What do you think so far? Uh, well, I've done one other Kickstarter campaign, and that was about three years ago. And uh, you know, I I, I, I kind of was at least my genesis was that I I was not down for Kickstarter. I just felt like it wasn't my avenue. Uh, uh, when I when I did my first campaign, I was already with the publisher, and we were kickstarting the graphic novel for the Wicked Righteous, mm-hmm. and uh, which was my first series. And um, so I was like, well, I mean, I'm already with a publisher, and I feel like this maybe Kickstarter is maybe for more of the indie people to kind of get that jump up. Right. At least that was my feeling back then. Uh, as things changed and things evolved, and through after doing my first Kickstarter campaign, and then like seeing the amount of people like crazy insane talented people on on kickstarter and indiegogo uh i mean it's it really is truly a a viable option for everybody i feel like 
Um, and I know there's like thoughts on both sides of the fence, still wanting to keep it pure as far as like, well, this should be an indie platform and a way for, you know, unpublished people to get their work out. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the more the merrier, man. I mean, it's just the more people there that have like some sort of notoriety behind their name, it's only bringing eyes to other products, right? So if Keanu Reeves has a book out there, <laughs> you know, people are going there that maybe wouldn't even be in the comic book section and maybe they're going to look at other stuff, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, why, 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 why try to stop that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great example because when Berserker number one came out and I was in my comic book store spending way too much on comics, yeah. I actually saw a guy come in to pick up that book specifically and then ask the guy behind the counter what's been going on with these other books. I haven't really picked up comics lately. And I'm like, yeah, see, that's the goal right there. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. High tide rises all ships. So there you go. There you but, go. And I, I'm a big believer that if you want to create something, you should create it, whether it's like a web yeah. comic, your, a journal that your stepmom gives you, whatever the case may be, just create, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I agree. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cause we, like I said, we work with Kickstarter a lot on our show. Uh, that is something that we uh, we feel str- pretty strongly about is independent comics. And we always try our best to reach out to as many independent publishers as we can, uh, which can be difficult finding the comics because th- usually they don't order too many of them, you know. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the smaller the publisher, the, wor- the harder it gets. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kickstarter has been a really great thing. We, we've done a lot of uh, we backed a lot of Kickstarter. So, but yeah, I was curious specifically because um, I know the big thing with Kickstarter is it's uh all or nothing unlike mm-hmm. some others where you have to you have to hit the goal so um i just thought that was kind of curious to see what you thought because i've heard like varying accounts on that some people don't like the all or nothing some would prefer to get the you know progress yeah. and you know etc yeah so. i mean i don't know i mean i i i kind of like the all or nothing i haven't i've never done any good going i i have yeah. people uh like dave dave the artist he has his book confederate monster is over on indiegogo and he enjoys it and he likes it and mm-hmm. his was su- successful and it's still it's still doing really good um but i've never done it uh and his is the first book i've ever backed on indiegogo i think but <laughs> but uh but i i like kickstarter and, and it's kind of one of those things for me at least because I'd, I'd kind of try to stay out of like the the politics of everything, but yeah. it's more preference. Like I, I prefer Star Wars over Star Trek. I prefer Coke over Pepsi. I prefer Marvel over DC. Unless someone from DC is listening, then I love DC. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I prefer Kickstarter over Indiegogo. And maybe it's just a preference thing. Yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. So awesome. Okay. Well, next up, uh, I want to very quickly talk about our sister show, The Jukebox Vertigo. Uh, Jukebox Vertigo, hosted by my co-host, Josue, is a show where we are continuously building what we call an infinite playlist. Every week, we have a different category, and we each nominate three songs to add to the playlist, and it goes up on every major uh, music platform. And whenever we have a guest, especially comic book creators, because we know comic book creators tend to really love music for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's because some throw in the background while you're working and yeah. Yeah. So, and creative types, you know, so uh, whenever we have a guest, we always like to go ahead and see if we can get a nomination from you all to add to our next playlist. Our next okay. category is covers that are better than the original. Okay. And from what I've talked talk to you about, you have a pretty, I think, great, era of music in your life to really <laughs> have an idea of some so did you have just one song you think that the cover was better than the original off the top of your head 
Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, as far as covers, there's there's actually two. Am I able to give two? Is that oh, all right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he'll love uh, that. <laughs> that that that, and one of them may uh, maybe won't count. Maybe it'll disqualify itself. But the first one uh, that I will all I'll I'll this will be my hill to die on. Uh, Prince wrote the song. Sinead O'Connor sang it first, but the, his cover of "Nothing Compares to You" is just I'll I'll I listen to that frequently. It's just a great song. That's an excellent uh, choice. <laughs> love, love, love his cover of it, and it's just, and just, I don't know. In my opinion, no one could play the guitar like Prince could play the guitar, and his his licks and that are just amazing. Yeah. So nothing compares to you, Prince. Cover song of a song he wrote that he didn't sing first, but yeah, his one. his guitar skills are really underrated. They're not talked yeah. about enough, right? He's incredible. I mean, even the Super Bowl commercial or Super Bowl show that he did. Mm-hmm. However long ago, I'll still pull that up on YouTube because I mean, him playing "Purple Rain" in the rain at the Super Bowl is like—I mean, it's still—I'm getting chills just chills, talking about yeah. it. So, <laughs> I'm a big Prince fan. I don't know if I let that out of the bag. <laughs> um, and then my second one is is more—I'll I'll still listen to it, but I—I uh, um, I can't even remember who sings it originally. Uh, Drowning Pool, maybe, but "Down with the Sickness." But Richard Cheese's cover of it—it it was oh, actually in the movie. It's, um... uh, it's Dawn uh, of the Dead. Disturbed. Disturbed. Okay. All right. Uh, but his cover of it for the Dawn of the Dead movie. What was uh, the, his re- name? the uh, Richard Cheese. Richard Cheese. Okay. You know, I've never heard of this, and I know no? at least two guys that are probably going to love this one. <laughs> so. I mean, it, and it's more like that loungy, oh, yeah. <laughs> get up or get down with the sickness. I mean, it is just like it's loungy. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> so it's, it's great. It sticks out for me. Great. All right. And looking forward, I know obviously you're going to be focused on Buddy right now. This mm-hmm. is, you know, your goal and everything. But do you have anything else coming up in the pipeline? Anything else you want to like give us a heads up on? Anything sure. like that? Sure. Yeah. So um, Buddy is is on the forefront right now. So uh, that one and I have the two more issues of that one uh, coming out either independently or through a through a, a publisher. Um, then I'm working on a uh, I guess you could call it a Dungeon and Dragons inspired because it's not licensed, but inspired uh, book <laughs> uh, with with a buddy of mine named Chris Terry. Uh, he's a local artist here in San Diego. So we're coming out with a, a little mini for that. Um, and it takes place in like er, 93, uh, January 94 in Northridge, California. So if anybody wanted to look up what was happening in Northridge, California, in mm-hmm. January 94, you kind of get a gist of the feel for the book but um and that one probably is either later this year or early 2022 and then i have a little slice of life type thing uh called bfe texas uh i was born and raised in texas so it's kind of like not an autobiographical but it's more slice of life i guess you could say gotcha do do you mind to ask where in texas a little town called seminole texas right there on it's i think when i was living there was about three to four thousand population And BFE just—I don't know if you—I don't know what the language on this show is, but it's—that's fine. <laughs> it's bumfuck Texas, bumfuck <laughs> Egypt, Texas, basically. So when anybody around there, because there was no other towns around, so yeah. they were like, "Welcome to BFE." <laughs> I'm um, I actually lived my high school and college years in a small town in East Texas. Oh yeah. So in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. yeah <laughs> like so then there you go. <laughs> an hour outside of a town that's out an hour outside of a town. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I think we had one stoplight in that town and then 
they were just now getting a Walmart when I was about to leave. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was it's huge all, news. That's always the highlight. And people right. think that's a joke, but no, that's 100%. Like, let's go to the big, Walmart. It's a big deal. And I thought it was huge. Uh, but I mean, I went back there a couple years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, this town is so tiny. But it seemed, it's, it seemed like an oasis of nothing when I lived there. And now it's just nothing. But, <laughs> but I love you, Seminole, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, you can't go home again. That's yeah. what they say. So yeah. awesome, man. All right. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really uh, excited about the project. Uh, like I said, expect my uh, expect my pledge after this. I'm going to sit down and look at the tiers. I always overspend on Kickstarter. So. Well, I um, will not argue with you if you do that. So. <laughs> awesome. So, guys, you can always check uh, Terry out on Twitter at MayoTL. Is that the best way for people to reach out to you is Twitter? Yeah, uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it is uh, MayoTL, but Twitter, I'm on probably more. Gotcha. Yeah, me too. Uh, and the artist, Dave, you can reach him at Dave Schwartz Art. Schwartz is S W A R T and Z and then A R T, Dave Schwartz Art. Uh, so you can reach out to him on Twitter as well. And for We Have Issues, you can check us out at Geek Elite Media along with everything else on the Geek Elite channel, uh, geekelitemedia.com as well. For We Have Issues itself, it does have a Twitter, at WHI Podcast. And for my co-host, Josue, it's Josue Reads Josue. For our producer, Liz, it's WHI Podcast Liz. And for me, it's WHI Podcast Keith. Uh, thank you again so much for joining me, and uh, have a great day. Thank you, Keith. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.